Welcome to Festival Nation on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Here's your host, Marla Davies. Hey now, it's Marla Davies, host of Festival Nation, where we celebrate the magical world of music festivals, both live and now virtual. The festival world for 2020 has mostly been canceled or rescheduled, and we're all hoping for a more lively 2021. On today's show, I'll give you updates on what's happening at some of the large festivals still scheduled for this year and how many of these festivals are reinventing themselves during this pandemic and looking ahead to 2021. And we'll also talk to Nathan Moran, the deodorant king of Chicago and the creator of the brand new Grateful Dead deodorant. Here's some of the latest news. Outside Lands in Golden Gate Park, scheduled for August 6th through the 8th, 2020, has been canceled. And tickets recently went on sale for the 2021 season. According to Another Planet, sales are amazing and people are really investing in the future of festivals. On the bill for 2021, it seems to be the same artists that have been leaked for the 2020 season, including Lizzo, Tame Impala, The Strokes, Tyler, Creator, and Vampire Weekend. Tickets for a three-day pass are $395, VIP passes are $835, and the Golden Gate Club, with all the bells and whistles, including a personal concierge, dedicated viewing areas, and signature meals is about four grand. And don't forget the convenience fees. With the festival world changing, there had been hopes ticket prices may come down, but so far, same old. But with all the money you're saving this year, perhaps you can spring for the hefty VIP pass. And perhaps there's a posh festival experience in my future, too. Bottle Rock in Napa has also canceled for 2020. Their usual Memorial Day weekend show was rescheduled for October 2nd through the 4th. But Live Nation, the promoter, has thought better of it. The event attracts some 120,000 people from outside the area. And currently, Napa has a very low coronavirus infection rate. And that's a big risk with lots of unknowns. The Harley Strictly Bluegrass Festival in Golden Gate Park at the time of this post is still holding out hope for the first weekend of October. Across the country, COVID-19 cases are spiking and public gatherings are frowned upon. Each state has its own requirements with California having some of the strictest requirements and restrictions. As reopening plans move forward, stage four is the reopening of large concert venues and our state is nowhere near, according to health officials. We're still in stage two, beginning stage three and stage four seems quite a way off. Public health experts see the Bay Area at least a year away from clearing these hurdles and are warning against public gatherings until there is a vaccine or an effective treatment for the virus. When it comes to large festivals, Lock-In in Virginia still holding out hope for October 2nd through the 4th, 2020. Lock-In did something very cool and virtual on their originally scheduled weekend of June 19th through the 21st. It was a collection of virtual archived sets from past festivals. It was free, but you could make a donation to Headcount. And I'm sure you've seen Headcount at shows registering people to vote. Since its inception in 2014, Headcount has signed up over 600,000 people to vote. I've not been to lock-in yet, but I can't wait to go. Count me in when things get up and running again. It's Jam Band Festival, 
Music I love and the hippie spirit is alive and well. During the live stream weekend celebration, I enjoyed sets from Phil Lesh and the Terrapin family band with Bob Weir sitting in. The Omen Brothers, Joe Russo's Almost Dead, The Black Crows, Widespread Panic, Humphreys McGee, Lettuce, the Tedeschi Trucks Band, and Grace Potter and the Nocturnals. As expected, the donation-based live stream is soon becoming a paid stream in some events anyway. And as we face the new world of music festivals, we'll most likely see more of a live virtual ticket tier. Of course, the virtual ticket will be cheaper, but in the future, for those of you who don't want to fight the crowds, you'll probably be able to watch from home and do the couch tour. Hiding Out at Home is a virtual festival event happening July 17th through the 19th, 2020. It's a virtual Northwest String Summit featuring live, remote, and archival sets from the Yonder Mountain String Band, Green Sky Bluegrass, Railroad Earth, Infamous String Dusters, Pigeons Playing Ping Pong, and Fruition, just to name a few. You can buy a digital ticket for about $30. Still not sure if that's for one day or for a three-day pass. Expect to see more festivals like this as we wind through this worldwide pandemic. For more information about virtual festivals, check out fans.com. And you can also be in the stream. I'm also really enjoying nugs.net who offer a lot of free and paid shows too. I just enjoyed Fare Thee Well. It was a one-day live stream marathon from the Grateful Dead's 50th anniversary shows at Soldier Field in Chicago, July the 3rd, 4th, and 5th. It was the last time that Bob Weir, Phil Lesh, Mickey Hart, and Billy Kreutzman performed on stage together. Add Trey Anastasio, Bruce Hornsby, and Jeff Chimeni, and you've got an amazing festival. It was the fifth anniversary of the show. It was being offered free, and they were also accepting donations to support Headcount. During these times, people have become very generous and grateful. I donated, of course, and Headcount, it is an amazing cause. And although we can't watch these shows together, the stream offers the opportunity to watch a show from the comfort of your own home, reliving your favorite music memories, or experiencing them for the first time. And really thinking totally out of the box in Wisconsin on July 16th through the 18th, 2020, it's the three-day Herd Immunity Festival scheduled in Ringle. It's a heavy metal festival. The event has changed its name due to backlash and cancellations from some of the bands. And if it happens, it will likely be the first rock festival featuring national acts since the pandemic started. It's now simply called a mini festival with 15 bands over three days. It'll be hosted on an outdoor stage, Q&Z Expo Center. A three-day pass is just over $100. On the bill is Beyond Threshold, The Nightcrawlers, Adelita's Way, Sponge, Dope, and Thunderstruck. The promoter says they're worried about people not only for COVID, but for mental, physical, and financial reasons, adding as humans, we need other human contact. Music in itself is great, but the live stream is just not the same. We need live music. We need to feel it in our bones, feel it running shivers up your spine, and we need to experience it with people around us. The promoter also says, let's have a fun, safe weekend and let's be kind to each other. 
The promoter also says they will be exercising social distancing and only selling the venue up to a quarter of its capacity. We'll keep you posted. I'm Marla Davies, your host of Festival Nation. And today on the show, our guest is Nathan Morin, the deodorant king of Chicago. Nathan's North Coast Organics is collaborating with the Grateful Dead to create officially branded 100% natural small batch vegan deodorant. Coming up on the podcast, Nathan and I chatted about a slew of things. Talking with Nathan is like talking to an old friend. You'll hear about the creation of Grateful Dead deodorant, which was inspired by the Grateful Dead's mission of social responsibility and mindfulness and Deadhead's love of the world around us. Nathan and I share our love of San Francisco, how he connected his deodorant and the Grateful Dead, and how he found his way to his first dead show and his safe place. Please welcome the deodorant king of Chicago, Nathan Morin. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me in your uh, podcast today. Um, I really feel fortunate that you reached out to me, and thanks for having me today. I had to. I had to. You know, I work at an NPR station uh, here in San Francisco. What's your local affiliate there? KQED. Oh, I I listen to you guys all the time, and I lived lived in Treasure Island, the Lower Haight, and the Glen Park. Oh, you did? Okay, nice. Yeah, you got your hippie roots. I had the Million Dollar View of San Francisco. Oh, man. Both in the back there, and... I never, I was working on the wharf before I got my IT job, but I never was salty about it because I took the bus in across the bay. I always sat on the bay side and watched the city, got off at the second Avenue bus stop. And then, you know, just bypassed the tourist at Powell street. Even if the car was full, just had to show the cable car conductor, my monthly pass, let me on, rode that down to work. I never had a, well, I had some bad days at work, but the journey to work was amazing. Yeah, I mean, San Francisco is a, a gorgeous city. And live on Treasure Island, that's a, amazing. And, you know, the Treasure Island, were you there when they had the music festival? Oh, well, the best part about that, Marla, was so my so I I had moved uh, out of there because I only had seven weeks there for uh. a sublet, and I moved to the Lower Hate with some buddies. I had already previously known one of them, yada, yada. But my buddy Justin, um, his wife is our marketing director, Chantel, he uh, came out for Treasure Island Music Fest, and yeah, so really, so the festival's getting over, and everyone's trying to get on the festival buses. I go, dude, there's a local bus route. We're getting on that. No one knew about it. We got on it. The bus driver goes, Nathan, I haven't seen you in months. What happened? Nice. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, um, I was kind of on the under, like, the end of the bus route, and I was working on the wharf, so it was late night. I was coming home, and I always fall asleep on the bus when I wake up. I might have my last stop. She goes, honey, I know where you live. Just sleep. I will make sure we don't pass your stop. That's so funny because I used to live when I lived in San Francisco. I I take the bus everywhere too, and we are, are we naive or just so trusting that we just fall asleep in you know on a bus? No worries. Oh, uh, when I lived in San Francisco, I was falling asleep on the tube all the time. So it's just you know you just get lulled into a rhythm, I guess. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a trusting. I used to sleep before Moscone Center used to have grass. It doesn't anymore. But I used to work down there and I used to go and I, at lunch. I would just lay on the grass and sleep. People probably said, just leave her alone. She's a homeless person. I don't know. I was. Oh, yeah. One time. Yeah. I, I had to do that one time. I just finished my master's thesis. So I hope we get to talk about today because of music and yes, of uh, spontaneity and all that. But I had just finished the draft that was like, the final big draft that I knew I was going to have to edit the shit out of, but it finally was like a piece. So I um, celebrated that night a little bit and then it's football season. So I went down to our bar at 10 o'clock to go see football. to see the Packers and of course drinking beers, yada, yada. And on my way home, 
passing the Civic Center to get on the Muni, and I'm like, I need a nap. <laughs> and my dumbass fucking left my wallet in my back pocket and shit, and I woke up, and I'm like, I hope this more wallet's back there, and it was and shit. So I get sleeping in the park in San Francisco. I might have done it in an afternoon after some beers celebrating my master's thesis. <laughs> there you go. And nobody stole anything, and it was so good. No, right? so we, so we, you were good at the Moscone Center, right? I used to always take always, a nap there. Oh, so you did it more than once. I, I was it was a regular thing. I only did it once. Well, oh, I did it a lot I, because I worked there and I was, you know, working there and I was in my 20s and I was partying a lot and I had to, I was tired, you know, I was tired. I had to, yeah. that's what I did at lunch. I would sleep in, on the f- grass. Now you're sounding European or like you live in Buenos Aires. <laughs> <laughs> you stay out all night and then you take a nap on your lunch break. Yes. And then you're like, I'm not going out tonight, but by five, six o'clock, you're like, you're out I'm again. Going to a little better. I'm going to have one more beer. I'm going to have one beer, just one beer. And then repeat. <laughs> yeah, that's that was a good life. I went to see a lot of music. Well, I mean, I just love I love music, and you do too. But let's talk about deodorant for a real quick second. So the reason I said this, I'm working on, and you know, I'm at my KQED job, and I hear the story about Grateful Dead deodorant, and I'm thinking it's a joke, you know, at first because I'm sure you're getting that a little bit, right? Um, uh, I wanted to I wanted to launch on April first. I didn't tell Warner Music <laughs> Group. That. I had a team at Warner. They never asked, but I wanted to launch on April 1st, hoping to get extra press about the people who just write about the April Fool's jokes, because they would have thought, oh, North Coast, that's the April Fool's joke, Grateful Dead, Deodorant. But what they would have seen is the buy button. <laughs> I know. Well, first, it gave me the same feeling as when they came out with Jerry Garcia neckties. And that same Ooh. feeling, it gave me that feeling because I thought, that's so weird. Shouldn't it be tie-dye? Because the reason I'm saying this is the hippies, Grateful Dead fans, hippies, you know, they are no, the big reputation thing is that they, everyone has body odor. Oh, I know. Oh, oh, exactly. Stinky hippies. Yes. I used to, we used to private label for a really big company called Onnit that has professional athletes from all four major leagues endorsed the brand plus a lot of MMA people and yada, yada. I, I used to have to tell a long winded story about why my deodorant works and who Onnit is, the endorsers, all this. And now I have the grateful deadline so I can say, this works on stippy, stinky hippies. Are you a stinky hippie? No, it's going to work on you. Yeah, <laughs> except for there's no patchouli in your sense. I'm surprised because patchouli also is that hippie thing. Like, you know, <laughs> right? You know that. Well, you got some, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. Skull and roses, lavender and rose, sunshine, blood orange and bergamot, and working man's cedar wood and juniper. Oh, you have timber too, Douglas fir and sage. That's a manly, that's like the manly scent. Well, I know the manly scent, cedarwood and juniper, oh. the heavy musk, and okay. then um, the cedarwood uh, sage. It has also has eucalyptus, lemon, lemongrass, and um, scotch pine. So that's more of a clean, fresh scent that started trending about four years ago. But you know, the scent trends are now back to the old stuff, like heavy floral, heavy musk, just like colors, just like fonts. Just uh, smells have a life cycle, and when mm. I started. Um, the old scents were just on the way out the door. So the lavender I offset with some other things like cypress and lemon and uh, rosemary. And so that was our first scent, Death by Lavender, and I put a skull on it for a lot of reasons I won't get into. And so the skull scent, that's what it was, and I just added roses to it. So that's what made up Skull and Roses. Ah, okay. Yeah. I'm a dead fan, so I wanted skulls on my stuff. So I had to blend skull and roses. Let's just put the skull blend with a little rose in it. Yeah. Yeah, that really, you got to have roses if it's skull and roses. That's, yeah, easy. Oh, it's a very minute little rose in there because uh-huh. rose is so expensive, but it's in there, guys. It is in there. It's true. <laughs> it's true. So 
the Grateful Dead deodorant, deodorant's your thing. How, uh, why, why, what inspired you to even come up with this plan? Well, it all starts back, um, it's really funny, Marla. So as I'm getting the website together, the Grateful Dead landing page, so I always thought my story started in a Rastafarian community in Jamaica where I moved to when I was 19. Um, I'm, I might get back to that, but what you asked, I, when I was working on the website and uploading some pictures, I took, um, well, Skull and Roses is also a big, you know, personal thing for me because I was a dead fan due to skeletons from the closet from uh, 13 years of age mm-hmm. from my bookkeeper. My current bookkeeper was like a second mom to me. She was into classic rock and got us young boys into all kinds of stuff. It was amazing. All kind of shenanigans. I learned, uh, I listened to uh, the live album called Skull and Roses. I won't say the name of what the band wanted to call it. I think it's the only time the band let uh. themselves be talked <laughs> out of a good idea by the record company. That was a great idea. But the record, the record company talked them down for the ledge, and they go, we're just not going to put a name on it then. But anyway. There's no name. Right um, now, I know. So Skull and Roses has just been really, you know. So but when I'm working on the website, and I uploaded pictures of between my freshman and sophomore year, I was working at a box factory in Butler, Indiana, saved up a bunch of money. I referred to her as a buddy on the website, but she's now my ex-wife, long story. But at the time, she was my high school girlfriend, college girlfriend now at the time. And I said to her, I was like, hey. So I know you've been to San Francisco. I've never been, you know, I just read a bunch of Kerouac and Wolf and right. you know, like the dead. And she actually got me into the dead. And and then she's like, Oh yeah. Like, I don't have any money to go to San Francisco, but I want to go. I go, I didn't ask you about money. She, and she goes, okay, well, this is what we have to tell my parents. And I'm like, hey, wait, I thought uh, you have relatives in Utah. Can we stay with them? And can we stay with relatives in California? She goes, Oh no, 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 no. I got to make something up. Why I'm going to be gone for 10 days. I know I'm going to tell my parents, but just pick me up and I'll figure it out. So, I'm uploading pictures of that trip to the website and we know it was a dead pilgrim pilgrimage. Sure. Yeah. We even stayed down in half moon beach. And then one day in the city, we went out to La Honda to check out Ken Kesey's ranch from the street, taking pictures real quick. And then at the time, the Mary Prankster cafe was in the center of La Honda. We went there to the website. You'll see pictures of me in front of seven ten Ashbury. I saw that. I saw you. Yeah. Wow. And I might've done a little hand, you know, I love Wilco and I love the song handshake drug deal because that might've gone down in the hate when I was 19. Uh Uh-huh. But but what I so I'm uploading these pictures of the pilgrimage. I realized my story didn't start in the Rastafarian community. It started on that trip. If you ah. read the website, I'm, I'm trying to write some copy. It's late night. We're about to launch. And I'm like, you know what? This is where my journey started. So you see that second paragraph there. I literally, as I was writing that, realized that's where my journey started, Marla. And that's when I was fully on the bus and fully wanted to live the unofficial deadhead motto, maybe the only rule, be kind. Be kind, so dude. Come on, right? I the know. That's what right I there. love it. That's it. That is it. I mean, I live that hippie motto right there. That's it. All you have to we are all kind to each other. Yeah, so if, uh-huh. if you ask why I have a deodorant company right now, it's because I started adopting deadhead motto at 19, be kind. That's why I'm where I'm at right now. And so Literally. you decided to call it Grateful Dead Deodorant. Did you have to get copyright licenses for that? or? Oh, yeah. So I wanted to do some Grateful Dead stuff for a while. And, you know, you can, you know, get really close to some trademarks without doing some trademarks. The beer scene's doing that right now. And that's because uh, the Grateful Dead's only going to license, um, well, one beer company, right? You know, when Dogfish had dropped, I was looking, I knew I had to contact someone if I was going to be official. I didn't know who to contact. Uh-huh. Rhino. I found about Rhino, Warner. And just as I'm like, you know what, this is a winter project. And then American or Dogfish had dropped American Beauty. Again, it was a re-release because they had done it a few years prior to that. 
And at the bottom of the press release was contact information from Warner. Oh. There we go. Oh, so you actually so did Warner get permission. Has to approve everything. Oh. I did. Well, oh, yes. I got, we're an officially licensed uh, collaborator of the Grateful Dead. Partner, we cannot use the word partner because partner implies a lot of other stuff, but we're a collaborator. Oh, okay. Good and to we're know. Fully licensed, and we're fully licensed. And the way that works is there's no licensing fees, but there is a royalty fee. So we pay a royalty. Ah. And I'm so thankful that. I get to write royalty checks to my favorite band in the whole wide world. I mean, you know what the Grateful Dead did. You know how much money they left on the table, how much money they gave to their family. Oh, uh, they the supported band, so many crew, people, right? A whole and then, yeah, community. And, you know, and they really didn't start making any money until right before Jerry died, and then it all went away. And so I'm so thankful that I'm able to – I mean, I, I'm really hoping, you know, all this merch money is going to carry – these family, the, the the families of the band, the family of the crew that made all this magic happen. The, I hope none of their family members, you know, if they have the choice of never to work again, amazing, you know, because I of mean, Grateful Dead deodorant. Well, in part, not just because of Grateful Dead deodorant, but all the merch and stuff, and then, and it's because of people like me that they can balance out what they do with Nike. You know, they work with me because of my ethics. They work with me because of my values. You know, but obviously, you know, this is you know for profit world and you know it's you know you want to work with people like nike because of the reach and all that you know i get that but at the same time the grateful dead and warner music group realizes hey it's just not about the money all the time sometimes it's about the ethics and the morals and this guy sounds like a deadhead and they go wait he is a deadhead you know right then and then you know the gatekeepers loved the deodorant and so when they are filtering it up and then telling my story well it all fits together. So there you go. Grateful Dead deodorant. Now, where? why don't you tell us how we can find our Grateful Dead deodorant? Oh, thank you, Marla. I really appreciate you asking that. So my North Coast Organics line, you can find all over San Francisco, the Bay Area. We're in Whole Foods, all over those. We used to be in Rainbow Co-op, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, I forget. We're, we're distributed but through UNFI in your region out of the Rockland and Gilroy distribution centers. So there's some small stores that carry us. Okay. We go That's direct good. to... Um, Vegan Republic in Berkeley, I want to name drop them. Vegan Republic in Berkeley, amazing, amazing, amazing. We're there. But the Grateful Deadline right now, it's just available through our website, but it is going to be available through dead.net at a certain point at Amazon later this fall. And then we're going to start hitting all our independent retailers that love us, that we go direct to. They're going to start carrying the line. We're, uh, we're carried by some major distributors in the United States, so we're going to start getting into there. But where us and Warner really sees this line is we're all – other dead merch is being sold at Target and Walmart. So oh, we okay. hope to jumpstart those conversations. Those conversations are supposed to happen in March at Natural Products Expo West. But obviously, that didn't happen. So right, of we're course. hoping it's going to be on big box store shelves for eleven ninety nine at a certain point later this summer or fall. And native deodorant that's being machine made abroad is eleven ninety nine at Target and Walmart. Okay. So we're going to have a Grateful Dead deodorant handmade Small batch, certified organic, certified vegan, certified cruelty-free, made by a certified B Corp in Indiana that's family-owned by a mom and son, 100% us, no one else. We started with our own money, less than $50,000 to be, you know, start, and we've grew it through profits and hard work. We're going to have a Grateful Dead deodorant right next to a machine-made deodorant that's being done abroad with venture capitalist money. We're going to be able to match their price with American-made stuff. I, I like it. And a deadhead. What the hell? Of course we're well, going to buy that. Yeah. And, and it smells good. the power good. of the Grateful Dead, too, because 
so my North Coast brand has all these same qualities, and we've had some great success, but we started hitting some walls, and I'm not going to bore you with that. And I knew at the time we have a private label service, and like to get our brand to the next level, it was going to be a lot of money. And so we've really focused on a private label service for more than um, more than a few years and just let our North Coast brand coast, <laughs> pun intended. But um, the big reason is because it takes so much money to build the brand. And, I, and everyone loved the recipe. Everyone loved everything. But there's a lot of hurdles beyond that to get your products on store shelves. I was really lucky. Oh, sure. To a lot of politics. That I did. And, but once I started hitting some walls, I knew that I knew I had I needed money to get over there. But I also knew that there's other ways to accomplish this. If I could have a brand over my recipe that they recognize, and of course, then we get into some some dangerous territories of co-branding and co-opting and all this stuff. But there's some licensing I thought I could I wanted to know about, and the Grateful Dead was at the forefront of that. And thankfully enough, the team at Warner saw who I was, saw the quality of everything, and they really wanted to work with us. And they filtered it up, and then. Management at the band, Dave Lemieux, was just like, this is our guy. You know, you saw that quote in the press release. I, I did. I cried when I saw that. He said we. He said we, meaning the Grateful Dead. North Coast is like we, meaning the Grateful Dead. And I was just like, it made everything worth it. It does. He said, he said, and David Lemieux says, North Coast Organics lives and functions as we do. With an awareness that the future is here, we are it, and we need to take care of the planet and ourselves. And smell good. And you know why? Yeah, yeah. And I function like they do because I not only love the music, but at my first Bill and Friends lot in 99, I discovered a safe space for me. Mm. That I'm a huge weirdo. And when I'm on lot, I'm 100% Nathan. Like my really, really good friend Shannon, she loves going to dead shows with me, especially when I set up my booth on lot because she's like, dude, this is 100% Nathan right now. And I'm like, I know. I love my safe space. I know. Can be 100 Nathan, and no one is saying. I mean, whatever. I mean, I get. I mean, I get called all, all kinds of things. I'm in daily life, and I have to really tone down Nathan so those comments stop. And they still, they still happen. Just like I was just, you know, uh, you know, just happened just now, right? But in Deadlot, it's my safe space, and I love it. And the music. I mean, I'm there for the music 100 percent of the time. Everything. That's the cake. If I get icing with the cake, amazing. Me but too. I'm the always there for the music. The First thing I do is I need a ticket. If I don't have a ticket, I find a ticket because I'm going into the show. Yes. I've only been shut out of two shows in my life. One was a rat dog show at the Tower Theater in Philly. I missed out on one of the last tickets, and I'm just like, oh, man. And then a Fish 04 second night at Deer Creek. It was the toughest ticket I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. So then I had to hang out, then I had to hang out on Lot, which I could hear some of the music, and Lot's fun, but I just pouted it the whole time. It's, the, it's weird. <laughs> I got I got shut out of one dead show, and it was which New one? Year's Eve. It was New Year's Eve, and I can't remember the year. Some They'll blur together, but I can't remember. I was with my ex-boyfriend at the time, and he went in, and I was like, really? This is it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> but we, my girlfriend and I stayed outside. It was at Bill Graham's. It was, no, it was at Oakland Auditorium. I think okay. it was called Oakland Auditorium then. That's names changed a lot. Or or was it Kaiser Auditorium? Kaiser Auditorium. I'm really oh, digging. No, I'm really digging through the gray matter here. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, and it, it does feel weird not to get in because I feel like I need a miracle. Come on, I got to get in. Uh, David, you're okay. Let me just tell everyone who you are. So this is Festival Nation, the podcast, and we talk about our, the magical world of music festivals. And I got interested in Nathan Morin because he's the deodorant king of Chicago and he's a deadhead and he loves festivals. So I'm a deadhead. You're a deadhead. I love your philosophy. Mm-hmm. You really, 
you got the right heart space about this whole thing. It's a cool, a cool thing. So I wanted to share this with everybody and you're going to give everybody a discount to podcast listeners. So oh, yeah, you can course. order yeah, deodorant. Yeah. I want to give you a big shout out on the deodorant and you're getting, you know, major kudos about it. It smells good. It seems it's organic. It's all the good stuff. When we come back, we're going to talk about festivals because you are a music lover. So we need to just get into it a little bit about Thank love of, you. Love I of festivals. Thank you. I want to spend a full hour talking about boring deodorant. <laughs> I want to talk festivals. That's right. Festival Nation, celebrating the magical world of music festivals. More from the deodorant king of Chicago and the creator of the brand new Grateful Dead deodorant, Nathan Morin. Coming up, we'll talk about the power of live music, the holy day of 420 2020 and the future of festivals. More after this. Festival Nation, celebrating the magical world of music festivals. Hey now, it's Marla Davies, host of Festival Nation, and I'm with Nathan Morin, the deodorant king of Chicago, with a new Grateful Dead deodorant. He's a deadhead, through and through, and a festival lover. I mean, I had been to Summerfest in Milwaukee with Oh, yeah, a lot of people love that. I I saw Color Me Bad. Oh, wow. I saw CNC Music Factory. I saw, there was another big, uh, Bill Bill DeVoe was there. And I forget if Millie Vanilli was there or oh, not. My. I forget. Oh, wow. But my very first show, my very, 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 very Your first, first show, show. was, no, that was not my first show, but my very, very first show. I'd love to talk about this. I had some really cool, the Mexican cousins were into hip hop. They were even breakdancing downtown Appleton, Wisconsin, looking like a B-boy. But they, uh, my, my uncle, my dad was their cool uncle, so... Um, they wanted him to take them to uh, down in Milwaukee to see Public Enemy, DJ Jazzy okay. Jeff, Fresh Prince, and Run DMC, 1988, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. I was my dad got off the phone. And he goes, "Hey, they give me an extra ticket. Do you want to go?" And I go, "Yes," because my older cousins. I'm not a cool kid, but when you're a young kid, you're cooler the cousins. You do what they do, right? Yeah. So that's what fine. they were into. And oh my gosh, so yeah, but yeah, my first like. My first festival as an adult, I mean, Summerfest is a cool music festival, but like, I mean, come on, we got to camp, we got to do all the things, right? Yeah, you got to do that. You got to camp. 2002 was the first big festival I went to, and it was a May Day. <laughs> well, you, I love the camping part. I mean, it's just the best because you you never leave the, the scene. And you don't have to deal oh, with yeah, driving. Exactly. Hello. Oh, that's the best part. You know, because you always have the buddy, I'm going to be the sober driver, and by the end of the night, you're like, dude, you were just supposed to smoke weed, man. What yeah. the fuck did you just do? <laughs> right. At the very end of the night, you're you're like, wait, you're the and responsible like, I didn't one. Drink, man. I didn't drink at all. But no, oh, you're spun right? now, man. Now you're spun, dude. Come on. Uh, I know. Well, that's why camping's so fun. And, you know, and I think it brings the earthiness to it, right? Because you can't, you know, you can't. Well, for girls, you can't get all dolled up. I mean, you're just, no, you're a little dirty. No, you're dirty. No. And then, and it, then, and then, I mean, the weirdos go there and like day three, they're still trying to have sex with people. And it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, come on guys. Like, first of all, this isn't a meat market. And second of all, it's day three. Come on. It's day three. <laughs> we're really, I mean, we were dirty in the beginning. Now we're like, there is dirt in every And then crevice. you got to go to Hot 2010 in the middle of a summer day and stuff. 
I've never understood any of that. But anyway, <laughs> but, you know, it's human nature. It's human nature. Oh, well, I'm so glad you said human nature here because that's one of the things I love about these music festivals. I mean, I mean, I'm sure that your listenership has been to all the amazing ones. I've been to a lot of amazing ones, but really, what I'd love to talk about, Marla, is you know that I'm an award-winning anthropologist, right? I know you're a, like kind well, of a brainiac. Yeah. You're like a kind of. Oh a, no, 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 oh, you're no, not. no, no, no. You're underrated. I, I'm not a no, no. I, I'm really the smartest person in the room. It's just. I'm a weirdo and I have some curiosities. And if you're going to say that I like Ferris Bueller said, or someone said I'm, I'm making pretend going to school. So that's what I felt about my BA and my MA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. But, I mean, you're motivated. And, and so he, what was, what did you get your MA in? Um, well, I, I did get my MA in anthropology okay. at Ball State, but for my thesis, I studied, uh, I worked with street performers in London. Ah. Um, and now we're coming like full circle here because, you know, I was working with to understand the change to the art form when they went from being an informal system to a licensed system, the London Underground. And I've just come from the lot to the license situation. And a lot of the things that people were saying about buskers, they're kind of saying about me. So my life kind of comes full circle. But what I discovered when I was reading, or uh, well, I did the heavy ethnography work in London, and then I had to start doing some uh, background research. Um, that's what the kids call research now is when you Google and read books. Right. Now, the real research is done when you gather data. And anthropologists uh. gather data through ethnography. So I have to go to the streets of London to do that. But in my literary review, I discovered something fascinating about music, evolution, human history, and the recorded age of music festivals. Nice. You're the perfect person for this podcast because we love musical festival here. This is it. The celebration of the magical world of music festivals. Yes. And I've had this hypothesis since I wrote this thesis because, um, you know, I'm just going to quote me here that um, we're going to talk about buskers just really quick, but this gets right back into festivals and we're going to get there. But contemporary buskers create a musical experience that is akin to that enjoyed by Pleistocene Homo sapiens. And then I quote um, another author about that. And we're just, this is a really important point here because this is about spontaneity, live music, and all of this. So modern busking, I'm quoting uh, Slobodo and O'Neill, and they didn't really study busking. They studied a little something else, but they talked about busking. because They're, evo- they're bio- evolutionary biologists. So they were talking about music in an evolutionary sense, and they mentioned busking, and this is what they said. Modern busking, and for your audience, busking also means street performance. It's mm-hmm. an old term. You can look that up. But modern busking is probably the phenomenon which comes closest to meeting the condition under which most people in most cultures through history have interacted with music. It is live, public, improvisational, spontaneous, participatory, social. It creates a small arena of the communal and pervading culture of individualism and isolation. What does that sound like to you, Marla? It sounds like what what's going on? Music festivals. Music festivals. Exactly like festivals. At like little I mean, we festivals. About, but there's but yeah. it's kind of it's different because it's street it sounds like to me more street performance like for me, when I, like we were talking about living in San Francisco, and I remember I would go to work every you know morning, and in the financial district, somebody would be out there playing a saxophone, and it yeah. was, I mean, it, you know, it was a foggy morning, and this, you know, it's just kind of the sun is starting to come up, and you hear this music echoing through the streets, and it was gorgeous. It was, and it, it, it you know, added a, 
an ambiance to the whole yeah the whole, and there's whole a reason day. for that marla it was beautiful there's a reason for that and so then i go on to write and this is going to link us back to the music festivals and why we do this and then we'll get there and explain i'm going to explain how we get there but what you just talked about street performance is exactly what we're seeking out at music festivals and what you just pointed out here is and I'm going to quote myself again. Sorry, but I've uh, spent that a lot is of very academic of you. <laughs> but uh, street street performance is potent because it may create an emotional need that is quite fundamental. But watch, there are a few opportunities to indulge it. So what you're experiencing on the street busking is akin to, well, what we've always experienced in music. And they Slobodan and Neil think that one of the reasons why Homo sapiens are so far advanced uh, with culture is because music plays an, an innate part to all that. And so when you experience a street performer, you're getting the real kind of deal of all humans have always experienced music. And that is, and these authors think that there's something about human beings that we need to seek that out. And what they posit is, is that there was a certain time that human beings stopped evolving biologically and more culturally. We started dominating other homo uh, species at the time, like Homo erectus, Homo habilis, but the Homo sapiens groups that were the successful ones, the dominant ones, well, what features did they have? It's the features that we love about life today, art, mm -hmm. music, education, and all that. And so these researchers think that because the groups that were successful had music, that there is something about music that is evolutionary and creates and that, lie, and that because the way we experienced music from the get-go all the way up into the late 1800s was always in a certain way. And they think that we have an evolutionary desire to seek out live music. I, I mean, I know I do. I, have, I just love, I mean, I've got, that's why festivals are so great because then you go to a festival and sometimes you see stuff that you didn't expect, the unexpected, a band you, hadn't know, you had never knew before. And there's the whole social thing of listening to, to music together that's also so powerful yeah and, and I'll go, i'm going to go back to this other quote here it, you know this is he's talking about busking but now what you just said is the same thing it is live public well you got to pay an admission uh improvisational i mean come on the dead community right jam band community i love that spontaneous i mean you get you get people all of a sudden like i was at the first brew and you know uh it's you know claypool's you know frog brigade and he's like also in the middle of the song he's like, last night I had a dream, and then that dream, Warren Haynes came out on stage. Who came out on stage? Warren Haynes. You know, <laughs> a spontaneous, you know, a participatory. I mean, I mean, concerts, come on, guys. I mean, if you've ever been to a rap show, you've been to any, you know, it's participatory in a lot of ways. And then in social. So what you just said, that I'm so glad what you just said, because when, you know, the same feeling you had, you know, seeing that busker, you just talked about that in a slightly different way, same terms of music festivals. I, I mean, I, I love the whole, I love the, you know, it's weird because this coronavirus thing is, it hates everything that I love, you know, it hates, <laughs> it hates singing. Like your grandma, like your grandma. <laughs> I mean, singing, hugging, festivals, mm, all the things. Oh, how are you making me sad, Marla? I'm sorry. All the come together <laughs> things. It's just, it's the opposite of what. It's weird. I just wanted to eat because you, you also love music festivals and you, you've gotten down in the dirt and you've been down there. You've lived it, you know, oh, you breathe it. But for instance, no, what's going on? I know <laughs> like my kid, I have a teenager and he's, I, I want to go to festivals with him, but he's, you know, he's not, 
he doesn't Sierra, really high Sierra music festival high Sierra music festival that's a good I one like got over music festival for a little bit and then i went out there because we were a sponsor and i was like this is what i want to have at a festival some of the big ones you know big ones are I'm too a little big. older now mm-hmm. well i'm a little older now and there's some extracurricular activities that yeah just keep it like in the area but it's kind of pervasive and you know and then and the one thing i've always like I've always kind of hated is just like all the trash that's left around at high Sierra. Like after they like an act gets done, you see everyone like picking up their own trash and stuff. It just, it's a lot smaller and stuff. See, Don't get me smaller. Wrong. I just was, I was just about to be at seven major music festivals this summer. Really? So where, were gonna go? where were you going to go? Where were you going to go? Tell oh, me. Oh, Skull and Roses music festival. Yeah, okay. We Wait a minute. That. Us too. We, well, my, my, what? we were going to be, yes, we were going to do yeah. Skull and Roses. We were going to do a whole live podcast. I would have met you there. So, we were going to yeah, do the whole thing met, backstage. Yeah. We could have interviewed So are you 2021? Uh, 2021 what? Are you going to be, are you going to be, are you going to be there 2021? Because we just thought our sponsorship oh. ride. So we're <laughs> <Wait>. a sponsorship. <laughs> I'm like, what? Is that some kind of drug code? 2021. Oh my no. gosh. No, it's next year, Marla. Come on. I know. Stay on topic, Marla. Stay on topic. 2020. I can't even get past 2020. I mean, I, it's not there yet. Yes, <laughs> now, we're going to do 2021. Because wait, 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 wait. But what's this 2021 thing you're talking about? Maybe we have to like, talk off air about that. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. No, we know we really want to do the 2021. We, had, we were gearing up to it. In fact, that's funny you mentioned this because I was saving my three best interviews to really ramp up at the very end, and then this pandemic happened. I, it was O'Teal. I st- I'm gonna now. I'm gonna well, run. No way you had O'Teal in your schedule. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have O'Teal, so I'm gonna run it this summer. Oh my gosh. O'Teal. Uh, also, uh, Jay Blakesburg. I don't know if you. Did, he's a. Oh yes. Oh, the photographer. Oh yes, I know Jay Blake. Yeah. Oh come on, Good girl. Come I got I'm Jay. Since '99. Come on, don't insult me. And here. then I've got Melvin Seals. Also, all those. <gasps> yes. Oh, Are you kidding me? So I didn't. I haven't aired them yet because we were going to do it for Skull and Roses. Wait, they're in the can. You, they're, yeah, they're in the, the can? can. But I'm going to run them this oh, summer because we. I can't oh, hold back running, anymore. Oh, you, I can't hold back anymore. In the can already? Oh, yes. How have you not released this, Marla? I was. I'm just so shocked by this goddamn pandemic. So hey, Marla. You know what? Maybe um, um, there's something I want to talk to you off about air. So I don't like tease your listeners about okay. Skull and Roses, but let's definitely talk about that. So hey, yes, listeners. Uh, Marley might have a little kind of update. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep you updated on that. Yeah. So Skull and Roses, we were planning, we, you know, we were going right. And it, you know, cause that was one of the first festivals because it was the yeah, first the week of yeah. April. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. And then, and then also Marla. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge uh, cannabis enthusiast and I was, I was going to be at San Diego Veg Fest, uh, the Santa Cruz Veg Fest, San Diego Veg, and there's some Veg Fest around that time, but the salient point is I was going to be in California at the end of March. I was going to be at the beginning, but I was so looking forward to all the 420 deals. And I was going to be driving from San Diego up to Ventura, and I was going to hit all the deals on the way up, and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And it's the, it's, the high holi- it's the high holy day <laughs> yeah. because there's never going to be another 420, 2020, and then at 420, 20, it's like there's four ages. Oh, I know, magical. right? It was magical. It was magical. It would have been. I smoked been. a whole ounce that day. Oh, I you almost, did? I tried to smoke a whole ounce. I got about, I got about eighteen blunts in me, and like the last three did not happen because it was like late. You're right. <laughs> it, that's weird. It was the holy holiday for 2020. Oh my. And then, and, and then the thing it is, went. 420 became a thing in the 80s, right? Yeah. So there's could never be, and then so 
we were able to get the holiday right when the high holy day was going to happen. And then these kids a hundred years from now, now, now I know you're going to celebrate it. You're going to think you're all cool. And there's going to be no one around to tell you that you're not cool. So <laughs> you're not cool. If you're still listening to this a hundred years from now, you're not cool. You are cool. Don't get me wrong, but four twenty. 2020, 2020 could have been, day. would have been. Well, this then, 20, there's so many yeah. 2020. Okay, 4th of July is on a Saturday. And then my favorite holiday of the whole year is on a Saturday, Halloween. Which one? Halloween. Halloween. Is going to be on a Saturday this year. And Spooky. <laughs> I've seen the dead on Halloween. <gasps> what, what year did you Marin, see the I forget. In the Marin Civics, 83. Ooh, you were just a mere, nice. you were a mere amoeba then. I was three. No, 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 no. I was three years old. <laughs> oh, you were, three, three you years were breathing. Old. You were breathing on this planet. I was breathing. And, okay. Yeah, I think we I like made it. the move from Wisconsin to Nebraska at that time. Yeah. And I still hate the Sooners. Go, go Huskers. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Okay, so festival. So was there any, like, uh, were you... Were you planning on any of the big ones? I mean, were you going to yeah, go to like yeah. New Orleans for the uh, to see Dead oh, Company? Yeah, there was so like okay, so the music festival is ahead in the calendar. So we've been a sponsor of High Sierra for a long time. Um, you know, let me Dave just Margulis. say real quick on that that I love that I ha- I love that festival too because it is a little smaller and I I don't not that I'm a soothsayer here, but I'm feeling like this pandemic is changing things and things are going to have to be small. Mm-hmm. We're going to be going back mm-hmm. to smaller. I mean, it's. Well, even these large sites are going to have to, like, space campers out really big, and yeah. we're all going to love it, dude. We're all going to love it because we're going to have these large campsites. We're not going to be packing in sardines, and we're not going to want to go back. Like, they're getting in the pit and, you know, just crushing up against each other. Oh, my gosh. Sweating I mean, together. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. That's just like, I mean, that. And I know, like, the first Bonnaroo, like, it was so That's great. That's so 2019, festival. right, Nathan? Yeah. You just, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly, exactly, right? And so, and so, yeah, I get what you're saying, and it's just going to be a whole different landscape out there for the rest of our lives now. And I don't know if it's a good thing, bad thing, or what, but it's a thing. I'm so glad that we got to experience pre-COVID, you know? Like, I got to experience, um, it sounds like you did, too, like, traveling in America pre-9-11, you know? Yep. I got to experience that. And, like, and I remember, like, going up to Gates to, like, see my father in or off or my mom in or off or myself in or off. And people were there at the gate. And there was no, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, this is, like, a definitive moment for, you know, just not music conscious but music festivals. And I don't understand, you know, how some of these festivals are going to be able to happen because, like, the smaller ones, man, the insurance is going to be crazy. The um, requirements of, like, you know, they're going to might have to, I don't know what local requirements are going to be to have some of these festivals. They're going to, are these festivals going to have to test everyone? Are they going to have to, are people going to prove they have the vaccine? They're going to take temperatures. But anything we're just talking about, Marla, I mean, you know, adds costs. And festivals barely make any money unless, you know, you're year 10 and you got a thousand, a hundred thousand people there. You know, it's no accident that Lollapalooza travel all around the country. And then they're like, you know what, we're only going to do it in one city. In one city, you know? Chicago. It, right. It, it, It's not, and and they're like no camping, you know, it's purposely why they put it in Chicago too, because they can't ever camp there, you know? So yeah, as you know, I mean, festivals are like restaurants. Yeah. There's really successful ones, but you got to grind low profit and all this. And so now insurance is going to be more, and there's going to be all these onerous things and who's going to be able to afford to do that. And the thing is that they have to do this to keep us safe. So it's not a choice, you know, it's not a choice of like, well, okay, so we, you know, we don't require the the farm next door this year. Then we have to, you know, it's 
it's about keeping us safe now. And so they have to spend the money to keep us safe. And any festival that is like balking at that, I mean, I'm sorry, man. If you want people to come to your festival, we got to be safe and you're going to have to do re me. And that sucks. It sucks. It sucks. As a small business owner, that doesn't make a lot of profit at all. In fact, we haven't been profitable for the last year. And before we were profitable, we give away hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of product and money. And I can't imagine some of the stress and pressure these music festivals have on them because everyone at the end of the day wants to keep everyone safe. And if everyone's safe, then you can have a good time. And that's what music festivals are about. And so none of these promoters, none of them want to cut corners and all that, but they're going to have to come up with the money somehow. Right, because you're going to have less bodies now in in a festival. So we're going to see that. Yeah. Yes. So less paid admission. I know mm-hmm. it's it's definitely gonna everything's gonna you know gonna change, but I mean it, as we we're talking about live music will go forward. I mean it's oh it has to it, we I have mean, to like, we have to listen to live music. That's just yeah you know like the first laws that were ever writ- written in the city was in a city in Italy, and on the ten laws of the city they mentioned no street performance. <laughs> really? Why? That's terrible. Yeah, well because the minute well it's still it's the chicken and the egg. Uh, were buskers a thing before cities or did cities create buskers? We actually don't know because we don't have any of that written record. We don't have any of that. The first written record of city laws, the first written record of busking is all in one little tablet from a city in Italy. So this is, you know, this is we're always going to seek out live music. We always have as a species, but the recorded age flipped it on its head. We experience, I mean, the Homo sapien you know, genus species is hundreds of thousands of years old now. And until 150 years ago, give or take, um, got you, you scientists out there, sorry, I'm a little fuzzy in some of the dates, but it's around 150 years that now we got the recorded age. And so I have a hypothesis that these complex endeavors for of music festivals, it's just not about the music, it's about so much other, just like the sub-Saharan, you know, cattle trade in, you know, in Africa, that... It's more, it's just not about the music, but why do human beings take the time and spend the money to put these things on? It's, you know, it's, and some of these festivals, you know, it takes five years, six years to become profitable, you know? Right, So why absolutely. do they do this? Why? why? Because why, we why have to gather. Spend? We have to gather together. But, yeah, but we have to gather together, but we've always done that as a species. What is it? Music festivals are different because now we're gathering just around live music. Live music has been a feature, but not the main act until music festivals started occurring in this country. You know, uh, festivals and everything, rituals and all, that's always existed. Music's always been there. But now music is the point and not an accessory. And I hypothesize that it's due to the recorded age because music, live music is something that we've always experienced. We just talked about the evolutionary track, the emotional need for live music. And now we get to the recorded age and we get a gluttony of music, but it's all recorded, even live sound. Like Wales of the British Columbia, I'm not going to look, there's an author and yada yada, but they played them live music, loved it. They played them the recording of that same symphony, they wouldn't listen to it. Like oh, mammals, no. I know, it's so crazy, right, Marla? So crazy. So I hypothesize that these large music festivals are hugely complex endeavors, not like hard thinking. Anthropologists say complex because there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of human activity, a lot of money, you know? And that's what I mean by complex. And why are we doing this? And I think it's because we have all this music around us. We get to experience music before we only experience music when there's instruments. And we didn't get instruments in the house until late 1800s, right before the recorded age. So I think that music festivals are a reaction. We experience all this music, but it's in our car, it's on our phones, it's on headphones. 
And even live recordings don't satiate our desire. In fact, these are just like, pardon the, pardon the metaphor, but just like a strip club. These are just a big tease. Like, recorded music is a big tease. And because we get teased every single day, we want to go seek out the real deal. The real deal. What about the little... streaming thing, though, that's been going on? Do you, people, do you, you... Again, it's recorded. Again, it's, it's recorded. What if they're live? Remember, what if Marlo? they're doing it live, though? Okay, remember, okay, Marla, I'm going to bring you back to this quote that we're talking about why buskers are so important. And I just got off. So it is live. So we got that on the streaming, right? Public. It's not It's public in a different way than we've understood. And I can't wait to see 100 years from now the impact of this. I mean, human right. beings are constantly evolving, but we still are a young species. Improvisational, that happens. Spontaneous, that happens. Participatory. Ooh. No. That's the part. Social. So it is live. Right. It's isolating. It is so, we, it, so it meets some of it, but it doesn't meet it all, Marla. It doesn't. Well, it doesn't feel like being there live. For instance, ah, I watched this over yeah. the weekend was Lockin. Would have been the Lockin yeah, Festival. Was, and they did, awesome. they did awesome. all that streaming of past concerts. And, you know, I... I enjoyed it so much, but I mean, I enjoyed it while I was folding clothes in the kitchen while I'm cooking dinner. <laughs> right. So yeah. And you got your beers in the fridge. You got yeah. your food right there. You, no line for the bathroom. Right. And then when the show's over, your bed's right there. Right. I, I love, I love couch tour. Don't get me wrong. I love couch tour. There's so much advantage, but here's the thing is that, yeah, couch tour is a thing, but why do people, you can pay $30 for the stream. Why do you pay $200 for the ticket, take time off work, you got to travel. You got to buy all this stuff. Yes, but it's also the end goal is the live music and what that we have an evolutionary desire for this. And it's, it's so crazy. It is great. So, uh, it is. It's crazy. It is great. I love chatting with you. I mean, I, I think I want to, would love to invite you to come back again. I'm sure we can, ch- uh, well, we'll definitely Marla, see each you, other. If at you Skull want to be on every day, I would be on every day. I could, <laughs> I, I, I could talk about a thousand different things, a thousand, you know, so I, I, I love if you it. ever want me back out of my I do want you back. Pleasure of having me here. Just reach out to me directly. You have my email and I, do. I would love to come back at any time. And every time I come back, we can do giveaways, promos, whatever you want to do. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nathan Morin, the deodorant king of Chicago, the brand new Grateful Dead deodorant. Obviously, Nathan's got a love of festivals, a love of live music and lots of knowledge. And it's, it's wonderful talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Marla, Marla, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Festival Nation, celebrating the magical world of music festivals. Thanks to Nathan Moran, the deodorant king of Chicago and the creator of the brand new Grateful Dead deodorant. Coming up on Festival Nation, I'll be doing a series of your favorite festivals from the past, including Desert Trip, Lollapalooza, the Vans Warp Tour, Coachella, Lockin, the Us Festival, and Day on the Green. And I'm sure we'll feature a few more too. Please let me know if you have any ideas, any favorite festivals. Always love your input. You can find me on social at Festival Nation Podcast or on the Pantheon Podcast Network. You can always find me at Marla Davies too. Festival Nation has also teamed up with Skull and Roses. The festival celebrating the music and community of the Grateful Dead was supposed to be at the Ventura County Fairgrounds the first weekend of April. It was one of the first festivals to cancel for 2020. We're planning on doing a live podcast on site during the event and also helping to promote Skull and Roses. The festival canceled before I had a chance to air some of the very cool interviews I did. So I'm going to bring those to you with Oteo Burbridge. 
Melvin Seals and rock and roll photographer Jay Blakesburg. We'll do that very soon in the next upcoming episodes. And as we're hoping always, we'll be at Skull and Roses in 2021. Here at Festival Nation, we're dedicated to bringing you festival updates and we'll be keeping the festival spirit alive by featuring shows about your favorite festivals. Please reach out and share with me your memories and shoot me an email, even festivalnationpodcast at gmail.com or hit me up on social, Facebook, Instagram at Festival Nation or on Twitter at Nation Festival. And check us out on the Pantheon Podcast Network at Pantheon Pods. Any music used in this Festival Nation podcast is owned by the artist and is used for educational and illustration purposes only. Thanks for checking out, liking, sharing, and following Festival Nation on the Pantheon Podcast Network and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Talk to you next time. We will get by. We will survive. Peace. Peace, love, and music. Thanks for being part of the tribe. For Marla Davies and everyone here at Festival Nation, until next time, tune in, turn on.